Hallelujah. Oh, man. Hallelujah. I don't know about you. I don't know about you folks, but I, hallelujah. I got my arms wide open. I, I surrender to him because I can't do nothing without him. I, I can't do nothing. I need him desperately. I can't even tie my shoes without him. I, I need him so much. And I don't know about you. Sometimes I just wave my hand and say, God, I need you. God, I surrender to you because at that moment of surrendering, at that moment of saying, God, I need you, that presence, that anointing, that power of God flows on you. Hallelujah. True worship. True worship. He's so good, folks. I don't think you know how good he is. I don't think you know how good he is. You just pour your heart out to him. He's a God that hears prayers. He's a God that answers. That he's an almighty God. And I know I'm preaching before I start, but I can't help it when I feel him. He's so good, folks. Our Father, which are in heaven, God, your servant needs you now. Lord, just give me the words to say to your people, Lord. And let me not stray to the left or to the right. I only command, only speak whatever you command me to say, oh God. And let it be a demonstration of your Holy Spirit power. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. We've been talking about this revelation. We've been on the the book of Revelation. And I've been telling you, you've been having a sense of urgency. Because a lot of people don't talk about this book. We don't discuss it enough. We should discuss it every day, all day. Because it prepares it. It lets us know what the end is going to be like. And what we need to do to endure it to the end. And Revelation reveals these things to us. And man, we've been on the seven churches, and, and, the, and today we're going to look at the last three of the churches and what God was saying to those churches in, these, in those times and what we can take from it. It's time out for playing. Time out. It's time out for playing. It's time out for living the way that you want to live. Time out for the things that you have been doing that you think he doesn't see. This time now is a time of repentance. A time to turn away from the things that we have been doing and follow Christ with our whole heart, mind, and soul. In chapter 3 of Revelation, he writing to this church called Sardis. He said to the angel of the church, the angel, like I said, is the messenger or the leader, i.e. the pastor of the church. He said to the angel of the church in Sardis, right, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. He said, I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive but you are dead. He said, these are the words for him who holds the seven spirits. That word seven spirit represents the Holy Spirit that sits around the throne of God. We'll go next week and talk about the throne of God. But those seven spirits, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and the seven stars, which is the messengers of that, i.e. the pastors of that church. And he said, I know your deeds. I, I know that you have a reputation of being alive. 
a church that has a reputation of being alive, but he said, you ain't alive, you are, you're dead. We're talking about churches who, 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 who great churches, sit five million or, or 5,000, and then, but the, it, it appears to be live, alive on the outside, but you're dead in the inside. And some of the folks in here, you appear to be alive on the outside, but in the inside, you're dead. See, you have the smile on your face. But yet you're hurting inside. You'll have that smile on your face and everything is going good, but let you dead inside. Without Christ, you are dead. But he had a, the church had a reputation of being alive. He said, yes, he told them this with a stern voice. He said in verse 2, wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have found your deeds unfinished. In the sight of God. And church, this is a wake-up call, not for this church, but churches across the nation and churches across the world. Wake up. I don't know if you see the stuff that's surrounding us. I don't know if you have seen the shootings in our schools. I don't know if you have seen the things that have happened in our country. I don't know if you've seen the rioting, the, the, the killing of policemen, police killing people. I don't know if you've seen those things. I don't know if you've seen the great things that have happened in this country. Let's say we are free. He said, wake up. Those who think, it, he, oh, you know, I got wealth and I'm good. I don't need anything. Wake up. Wake up. Don't you see all this tragedy around us? Wake up. Don't you see that salvation is upon us and you just, all you got to do is open up your heart to him. Wake up. But you say, I don't need God, then what do you need? Because without him, we are, we are nothing. And as a matter of fact, you're not just living. You're, you're, not, you're not living if you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You're just existing. He said, but I know I have found your deeds unfinished. I have found your actions. I have found what you have been doing unfinished. In the sight of my God. You started something, but then, then you begin to stray away. And he's telling you to wake up because you got some unfinished business to take care of. We got some unfinished business to take care of in this church. We got some unfinished business to take care of in your lives. This is the warning he's saying, wake up. Wake up and remember, therefore, that you have received and heard and hold fast. And what did he tell us to do? Repent. A lot of folks don't like hearing sermons like this. But it's the truth that's going to set us free. It is the truth that's going to help us and encourage us to be what God has called us to be and not lacking anything and reaching our full potential. It's that truth that we need. He said, hold it fast and repent. You receive and heard. Remember what you have heard. And he always, at the end of each church that he writes to, he said, 
Those who have here ears, listen. Take heed to what the word is saying to you, what the spirit is saying to you. He's saying, listen, if you don't wake up, he said, but if you do not wake up, this is the promise. I will, there ain't no sometimes, or I may be, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what time will come to you. He said, if you don't wake up, if you don't get your things in order, if you don't, you don't start following Christ, and if you don't stop living the way that you're living, he said, listen, I come like a thief, and you will not know what time will I come to you. And we all know when he comes back, it ain't going to be no more repentance then. It's too late. That door had already closed. The train had already left. He said, but I'll come. And he said, you won't know it. You won't know it. You won't know it. That ought to put fear in your heart. God is fear because no man, nor the day, nor the hour where the Son of Man shall appear. He said, no one even in heaven, not even the Son of Man, knows. I guess when God says it's time, then all heaven will get quiet. And the trumpet starts sounding, boy. And I pray that all of us in here listen to this sermon, that we be ready. Peter, and I don't have that in there. I just want to add some context to he coming like a thief. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to add a little context to it. Peter, y'all remember Peter, right? Peter that denied Jesus. And then Peter who got filled with the Holy Spirit and then his shadow healed people. Hallelujah. That same Peter. That same Peter. Hallelujah. That same Peter in um, 2 Peter 3 and 10, he said, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire in the earth, and everything done in it will be laid bare. He said, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and its speed is coming. That's what Peter said. Now, Peter wrote that this book is over 2,000 years old. And Peter wrote that then. He told us, you ought to live holy. You ought to live godly. We don't like to talk about holiness and, and, and living right. But that's what he tell us. He said, be holy for I am holy. Peter said he's coming Soon, he said, you ought to be like this. You ought to live holy. You ought to live godly lives because the speed of that day is coming. He said, that day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with this promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. That's the hope that we believers have. That's the hope that we have that one day that we will walk and be with our Savior, Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That that day I'll be in the presence of the mighty King. That that day it will not be no more weeping, no more crying, no more death, no more worrying. That day I look forward to. That day we got to look forward to. But in the meantime, we ought to live holy. Hallelujah. 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 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, have mercy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Here it is. Revelation. He said, yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not saw their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white. For they are worthy. He said, a lot of them messed up, but it's, it's just a few of you in Sardis in the, at that church who have not soiled their clothes with the flesh and sin that so easily entangles us. He said, they will, that's another promise, walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. I don't know about you, but I want to have me some white on. I, I want to I wanna be dressed in white and walking with the Father. I, 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 I just have to. I can't, I can't live. I can't go through this life and catch hell and then go to it later. I can't do that. I got to be with him. And that's the urgency I have for you, that you must repent and turn away from and live holy lives. He said you ought to live this way. He promised us that we'll walk with dress white, for they are worthy. He said that he get, it's getting even better. He said the one who is victorious will be dressed in white. And I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life. But will announce that name before my father and his angels. Y'all don't know when to get excited, I tell you. Y'all don't know when to get excited. I look at little words in there that, that means a whole lot in that sentence. He said, the one who's victorious will like them. So that means not just the people in Sardis, but the future people. That means us, those who are victorious like them. He said, and then be, they'll be dressed in white also. And he said, will, that, that word that I was talking about is that will, and the second word is never. He said, I will never blot out your name, that, that person's name, out of the book of life. And what the book of life is, a guaranteed stamp that says, look, when he walk in there, they say, hey, Terrence Chapman, welcome to heaven. Ah, Dominic, welcome to heaven. 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 And that, that means he'll never blot it out. And I get a little excited about that. I get a little, I get a little, oh man, I get a little too excited about that because I mean, that means that, look, once it's written down in there, he said, I, I ain't going to never write that out of that book. I ain't going to never blot your name out of that book. Hallelujah. Your old man, your interest got your name on it. Your interest got your name on it. But you got to live this way. You got to hold on to what you have. Don't lose sight. He said, whoever, that means everybody, has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He gave you ears for a reason. Two of them to be exact. To listen more, talk less. Listen, take heed to it. Follow it. Repent from it. He said to the angel, he writes to this other church in Philadelphia. To the angel of the church of Philadelphia, write, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens no one can shut. 
And what he shuts, no one can open. Yes, y'all got it. Y'all catching on now. See, when he opened up a door, when, listen, when he opened up a door, ain't no devil in hell can close it. Ain't nobody can stop it. And that door is salvation. That door is open to everyone who wants him. And if that door is shut, ain't nobody going to open it again. Salvation in life and more abundantly is right here. Now, now is the time to surrender your life to Christ. Now is the time to get right. Now is the time to repent from your ways and turn around and follow God. What repent means to turn away from, that means don't go back to it. So I'm telling you, now is the time. He said, when that door is open, ain't nobody can shut it. But when it closed, ain't nobody can shut it neither. So I'm telling you, this is the time. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Well, well, maybe next time because your next time ain't promised. He just said, you don't know the day or the hour I shall come back. You don't know. You don't know. He can come back right now. Right now. I remember watching a, uh, a movie with Revelation in it. And the rapture came. Everything Everybody that was in the church, they showed the display of the church. And some was left behind. You could just see their clothes just laying there. Their clothes that was gone, they, he, that was raptured, and their clothes was just sitting there. But there was still some, many, in the church still there. That's a problem. That's a problem. It ain't about the lip service, what God looks at is your heart. It ain't about, listen, I heard folks say all the time, that look, I, I, I said, what makes you think? He said, I, I'm a good person. I'm a good person, so that means I'm going to go to heaven. I, I look at him, I shake my head, I said, that doesn't, your good ain't good enough. Your good ain't good enough. I don't care if you fed baby pigeons for the rest of your life and delivered pigs for the rest of your life. It, it, it it doesn't, your good just ain't good enough. That's the reason why he came. That's the reason why Jesus came. Because our good wasn't just good enough. But his was. And all you have to do is believe in him. And follow what he has sent. You're going to be filled with the whole, you got to have the Holy Spirit, folks. Without it, without him, you have nothing. Simple as that. As a matter of fact, he goes a step further in the book, in the Bible, he says this. Those who, who do not have my spirit are not of me. The spirit is necessary because we can't live the way that he called us to live without the Holy Spirit. And he's saying when I open this door, nobody can't shut it. And then he goes on to say this. You see this repeated pattern in verse 8. He said, I know your deeds. You got to take heed to that because he says, I know. That means that God knows everything about you. That means that you can't run and you can't hide. You can't say that I wasn't doing this and now nah, that wasn't how it was. But he sees all and knows all. He said, I know your deeds. In other words, he said, I know what you've been doing. He said, see, I have a place before you, an open door that no one can shut. Other words, he's saying, look, folks, I have this open door, this door that's salvation, this door that's me. I got it open for you that no one can shut. He said, I know that you have little strength. 
And I may be talking to somebody today. He said, I know that you have just a little strength left in the tank. I know that you have just a little bit of strength. But he said, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. You may just have just a little strength left in the tank. You might just have a little fight left. But he said, listen, but yet you have not denied my word. So that means, listen. That means that usually when, we, when you get so weak, when you get so bothered, when life hits you, that you begin to stray away from the word of God, that you begin to deny this stuff. And you're like, where was Jesus? Where was God when I needed him? I've been praying for the same thing, but nothing has happened. And you begin to drift away from it. But see, listen, he said, I had little script, but I still did. I still kept his word, and I did not deny his name. Though I am weak, I still won't deny his name. Though I struggle, I still won't deny his name. I still will keep his word. Paul told him, he said, while I am weak, he is strong. We were never meant to do it on our own strength anyway. Keep trying to do it your way and you'll fall on your face every time. We need him. We need his strength, his power. That's what we need. He said, but yet you have kept my word and have denied my name. And that's when he make another promise. He said, I will make those who are the synagogue of Satan. Hallelujah. Listen to this. I will make those in verse 9. Those who are in the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews. It's going to step on somebody's toes today, though they are not, but are liars. Let me translate that today. I will make those who are in the synagogue of Satan who claims to be Christians. Who claim to be Christians. We got a lot of folks to associate with the faith, but don't know nothing about it. We got a lot of people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian. We lose that term so loosely nowadays. You say, I'm a Christian, and the next moment I read a post that said so many ungodly words on that. I read a post that got uh, uh, racist stuff in that. But hold on now. Because to be a Christian, to be Christ-like. I ain't never seen Christ say something like that. I ain't never seen Christ re do something like that. But you say you're a Christian. You use that term too loosely. And then when we use that term in the presence of others who are not Christian, they're going to say, well, how can this man or how can this woman say that they're a Christian, but yet they're doing this and living in hypocrisy? Don't use that term if you ain't living right. They say I'm a work in progress. That's what you tell them. I ain't a, Listen. Because we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. You can't continue to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Or you know what, I ain't feeling too good today, so I'm going to go to church. You can't do that. You can't continue to live that way. Jesus preached more about uh, hypocrisy in hell than anybody else. And if you didn't know hell is real. I'll be the first one to tell you, and I ain't going there. I don't know about you. I don't want to go there. To be eternally separated from God. The, the, the worst is that you burn, but the, not even that. The worst is that you'll be internally separated from him. 
And I can't allow that to happen. You can't allow that to happen. You can't allow that to happen for yourself in your household. You got to do something. You got to repent and turn away from it. He said, listen, those who say they are Christian, but they are liars. Both those who say, uh, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, he said. And this is Jesus talking. He said, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and announce that I have loved you. I have loved you. I have loved you. And he said this in verse 10, since you have kept my command, to endure patiently. I will also keep you from the hour of trial that's going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I will keep you from it. The Bible is talking about God, that Jesus will keep us in perfect peace. He also said the type of peace that surpasses all understanding. He said those who endure it, endure it, Let's know that it ain't going to be easy in this life. It ain't going to be a cakewalk. It ain't going to be sunshine and rainbows. It's going to have some struggles. You're going to endure some hardships. You're going to go through some stuff. But he said, endure it and let stand firm in your faith. He said, I'll keep you. Listen, I look at just certain words and I just draw out of that. He said, I will also keep you. Mama can't even keep you like Jesus can. Daddy can't keep you like Jesus. Ain't nobody can hold you like he can. Ain't nobody see when mama and daddy gone, then who else she got? See, we gotta put, we gotta lean and depend on him. He said, I'll keep you. I'll keep you. Why do we say that? And the next verse he says this. I am coming. I, I, I get a little torn up about that. And not for me because I know where I stand. I know who I am in Christ. But I, I get a little torn up about that because if he came today, a lot of us, a lot of them won't be in that number. A lot of people are not written in the, name, the Lamb's book of life. A lot of if he said, I'm coming soon. If he said soon then, folks, then what that means today? If he said soon 2,000 years ago, over 2,000 years ago, then where do we stand now? Any minute. Any time now. But he said this for you, for, for folks. Hold on to what you have. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Because he said, listen here, hallelujah, ain't nobody taking mine. He said, listen, hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Because he said, stored up for you is a crown of righteousness. Not only that you're going to make it in there, he said, stored up for you is a crown of righteousness. Now, I kind of shift my crown just a little bit. Ain't nobody taking my crown. I'm taking it that serious. I take it personally. He said, hold on to what you have. Though you may struggle in your faith, though you may struggle in strength, and though you may be weak, he said, hold on to what you got. Keep holding on, because a day of redemption will come. A day of the Son of Man will come. He, and when he breaks through the clouds, his reward will be with him. Wow. Hallelujah.
Hold on, folks. Hold on. I know life is hard. I know it's difficult. I know your marriage may be in shambles. I, I know your relationship may be broken. I, I know your heart may be torn from church hurt. I know some things that you may have gone through. But he said, hold on to what you have. Hold on to what you got. Don't let it go. Because he promised this, the one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. That word pillar, a leader in the temple of my God. He said this, I love to hear the word never. He said, never again will they leave. Never again will they leave the temple. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. I hear a lot of newness. I want to be new. I want to be new. I want the new name. I want to see the new Jerusalem. What they mean by the new Jerusalem is heaven. Hallelujah. The new Jerusalem coming down from God. And as we go through Revelation, you'll see that. And they'll show you the image of heaven and all its glorious things. And, and he'll show you that the streets were paved with gold. And he'll show you that the sea of glass. And he'll show you that the one around the throne that says, won't be no need for a sun or a moon because his glory is so magnificent. It's no need for that. I want that. He said, which is coming down from heaven from my God. I will also write them a new name. I don't know about you, but I want something new. I don't want, I, I don't mind you changing my name. I don't mind that. He said, whoever has an ear, has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The next church, and I said something about this church before. This next church that he wrote to, I realized when reading over and over again that God, that Jesus had nothing good to say about this one. That ain't good. At least the other church, he said something good, then he said, this, I just I have this one thing against you that you need to repent from this, but see, he ain't got nothing good to say about that one. That's a problem. He said to the angel of the church in Laodicea, right. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness. You got to realize who's talking here. It's the boss man. The head CEO. The ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. Again, he says, I know. That you're neither cold nor hot. He said, I wish you were either one or the other. That you're neither cold nor hot. You're, you're neither on fire for God or you just don't know him. He said, I'd rather be to be on fire or don't even know me. So I wish you were either one or the other. Notice the exclamation mark. I see some anger in that. He says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, just kind of in between, wrestle back and forth with some things. 
I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. I tell you, and I said this before, I said it ain't no in-between. It clearly says, look, because you're lukewarm, one foot in this church and one foot in the world and the world and its views and the flesh and the sin of that and one foot here that says, I stand for Christ, but you can't have darkness and light at the same time because it won't work. He said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Lukewarm water don't taste good. He said that. I ain't said it. He said it. In his word, you can't continue to scrout this fence, folks. You can't continue to live the way that we live, folks. But he said, like Peter said, be holy. He said, what you ought to do, what you ought to be, be holy and live godly lives. You know some of the things that you deal with inwardly. Maybe that nobody else knows about. And this ain't the first time that it had pissed your heart. This ain't the first time that you heard the words of the Lord speak to you to tell you, hey, you need to turn away from what you're doing. You need to stop what you're doing, and you need to follow me. It ain't the first time that you heard this. But we ignored it. We pushed it to the side. He said, look, so because you're lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. How hard is it for a rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven? The Bible said it. It'll be easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than a rich man to inherit the kingdom of heaven, because when you're wealthy, when you're rich, you say, I don't need anything. I don't need a God. I have everything. What is a need for this God that they're referring to? And if you look at a lot of rich folks, they're either atheists or don't believe at all. They serve other things. Their self, selfishness, wealth. And the Bible also speaks against wealth. He said, listen, you, you can't serve two masters. You hate one and love the other. Man cannot serve God and mammon, money. This is what has happened in that city. That city was a very wealthy city. And they had everything that they need. And they said, we don't need this, though. And they strayed away from that. The song was Luke. Warm. But he said, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Money have blinded us. That's what he said. Money and the things of this world have blinded us for seeing what's most important, and that is eternal life. Notice I said eternal because the money is only temporary. The job, the fancy cars, is only temporary. Because last time I checked, when somebody died, I didn't see that money with it. I didn't see that car in the casket. I didn't see none of that stuff. Can't take it with you. Amen. 
Say that now. Say that now. You preaching. Ain't no U-Haul behind the hearse. I'm going to use that one now. Ain't no U-Haul behind the hearse. You can't take none of this stuff with you. So you, you're worrying about a life that's only temporary. Your own life is only temporary. Everybody has a time stamp on their life. We don't know when we're going to pass. We don't know that stuff. It's temporary, but we focus, what on, we focus more on what's temporary than what's eternal. That's, that's just bad math. Something that's eternal, which is more, that don't never stop. And then you, you rather focus on the things that going to stop one day and got a time stamp on it. But this one don't. It said ah, you won't have no, it won't be no more death, crying, none of that stuff. But you focus on what is temporary more than what you focus on eternal. He said, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of all faith. Listen. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added unto you. That's Matthew. It's him first, not wealth. Not the glamour of this life, not the flesh things. He said those who are in this world are enemies to God. Those who are of the world are enemies to God. He's that serious about lukewarm. He said, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so you can become rich in white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and put salve to put on your eyes so you can see. He said, look, I got the real gold. A rich man, you can have all the wealth in the world. You can have everything in the world, yet you have nothing. A poor man can have nothing at all. Not a window to even throw a pot out. He don't have nothing at all, yet he has everything. He said, I, I counsel you, I urge you to buy this gold refined from the fire for me so you become rich and salvation. And white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness, put salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Like I, like I said before, in that day, uh, there was a very rich uh, place. They had doctors. They had all these things. And salve was something that they used to put on your skin to heal. He said, instead of trying to put that salve you're talking about, you need to put that own salve over your eyes so that you can see. been blinded by distraction and world pleasures. When he says here, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, those whom I love, I rebuke. He said, 19. But though, he said, listen, those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am. Hallelujah. Here it is. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens that door, I will come in and eat with that person. And they with me. Repent. He said, I'm standing here knocking. Here we got the Savior of the world, the most powerful man, God on the planet. And here he is knocking on the door of your heart saying, let me in. 
let me in. And we hear it. We hear him saying, repent. We hear him tell him, turn away. But yet we don't open that door. Yet we don't open the door of our hearts when we have somebody that can change your life for the better. Not just your life eternal, but your life right here. He is the source of our strength. He is a mighty fortress that we can run to. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He is the one and truly God that we serve. He said, if anyone hears my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And John 14, he told him, he said, on that day you will realize that I am in the Father and the Father is in me and I am in you. He said, listen, those who love me obey my commands. Many of us have said, hey, I love God. Then obey his commands. The Bible says obedience is better than a sacrifice. I love God. He said, those who love me, obey me. Those who don't, don't obey. He made it that simple. He made it that simple. He said, to the one who is victorious, he's promised us some things. I will give you the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. He said, "Who one who's victorious, you will not just enter in, you will sit with me on my throne. Man, that's a good promise. I don't know about you folks, but I get a little excited about that because not only did I get this squeezed in through that gate, he said, I'm going to sit down with the father, sit down with him. Sit down with him. And I remember, I know most of us probably have seen that move. I can only imagine, right? And you, can you really just imagine that? Can you really just imagine sitting, watching the glory of God, seeing that? I can just, I can just see it when I walk in. I just see it. And I'm going to probably fall dead if I can only, I probably can't die no more. But I can just imagine if I seen him, I'll fall flat on my face. Hallelujah. Can you only imagine if Jesus... Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I want to see him. I want to see him. I want to see him. I can you only imagine that? Can you only imagine his glory, the brilliance of his face? Can you only imagine that? I'm going to share a story with you of what Jesus did for us because I think sometimes we, uh, we kind of forget. We you kind of put it off when things going well. And I shared this story before. Bible study. It was a boy who had some birds. And where I got this story from is that I listened to some music, gospel music, from the Mississippi Mass Choir. And he was talking on the track. And he said, it was, it was a boy who had a bunch of birds in the cage and the man approached him and said hey boy what, what are you going to do with those birds 
He said, I'm just going to play with them for a little while. And then I'm going to take them deep down in the woods and I'm going to kill them. I'm going to kill all the birds. He said, no, no, don't do that. He said, don't do that. He said, listen, how much for the birds? Ooh, Jesus. The little boy said, why would you want these birds? It's going to cost you a high price for these birds. The boy told him, it's going to cost you a high price for these birds, mister. The man looked back and said, I said, how much for the birds? And he said, some big number, some high price. And that man bought the birds and took them up to a high mountain. And he opened up the cage of the birds and he said, come on, birds. You're free. But see, the birds have been so locked in the cage for so long that they didn't realize that they have freedom. When this man has paid a high price for him. This man that I'm referring to is Jesus. Jesus went to Satan. Satan said, look, what you plan on doing with the inhabitants on the earth? He said, I'm just going to play with them. I'm just going to play with them for a little while. And then I'm going to take them deep down in the woods and I'm going to kill them. And then Jesus looked back and said, how much for these birds? Satan said, it's going to cost you a high price. It's going to cost you. But see, see, you underestimated the power of the Savior. And then he took those birds. He took those people that was caged by sin. He took us who was caged by sin and caged by these things that Satan had once had a grasp on us. And he took us. He opened the cage. He said, little bird, you've been free because I paid a price for you. Little birds in this room, you've been set free because he paid a price for you. You don't have to go back to the cage no more. We tend to go back to things that we're familiar to. We tend to go back to the sin that we're familiar with. The enemy saying, hey, come on, bird. I'm going to feed you. Come on. Come on back into this cage of sin. When the man said, no, I already died for that. The man said, I already paid the price for that. You're set free. You're set free indeed. It ain't no need to go back because he set you free from sin and death. Ain't no need to be in the cage no more. The son has set us free. That's what Jesus done for us. If you receive the word, get a Lord a hand, top of praise. Hallelujah.